Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code REDBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. May you this day be blessed. Hi there, I'm Sister Catherine Herms, and thank you for joining me today as we explore the love that is the heart of the world and the work of the heart that helps us become this love and discover it in the world so that all the world becomes to us like the miraculous burning bush. We have been invisibly stamped with the signature the seal of the God who bends over us with such tenderness. I call this work of the heart, heart work. Heart work exists because people realize they've come to a place in their life where they, they want spiritual direction. Maybe there are too many options, or maybe there seems to be no options at all. Perhaps they have new eyes to see, or perhaps they're longing for this new sight. Some have touched the sunrise within their soul and want more. Others are longing for this spiritual gift. Sometimes our hearts are filled with nagging questions that run like background music in our life. Do I matter to God? Does God see me? Does God hear me? Does God get what's happening to me and what it means? In heart work, we answer the essential question. Who am I now, in this situation of my life, and in these relationships? To learn more about heart work and what God has led me to do in the world, or just to stay in touch, visit touchingthesunrise.com. Hello, it's so great to be able to spend time with you. Have you ever noticed that in the gospel, sometimes Jesus asks these seemingly useless questions? For example, he asks a blind man, do you want to see? He asks a leper, what do you want me to do for you? He asks a man who had been sick for 38 years and is sitting by the side of the sheep pool, do you want to be made well? Really, what answer was Jesus expecting to these questions? The fifth chapter of John's Gospel recounts this last example where Jesus cures a man who had been sick for a long time. He walks into a group of people by a pool in Bethesda, people who are waiting for a healing, and he zeroes in on one individual and he asks him, Do you want to be healed? We might imagine that the man immediately would say, yes, <laughs> but instead he lists the reasons why he can't be healed. His frame of reference is confined to the healing waters of Bethesda, where he has come with the hope of finding a cure. Instead of a cure, the man has found only a bunch of people who are looking out for themselves who haven't been able to help him get into the restoring water. 
Jesus doesn't seem to pay any attention to any of the details the man is recounting. He simply states, get up now. You can walk home from here a new man. From the words of the man who caught Jesus' eye at Bethesda, it seems that everyone there was out for himself. The gospel says the man had been there for 38 years. That's just 12 years shy of half a century. That's a long time. Others had presumably gotten to the water ahead of him, been healed, and left for a new life. There is no mention of someone staying behind to help out anyone else. Instead, the sick man states, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. His thought patterns and expectations are really closing him off to the possibilities of a different type of healing offered by the man, by God, who stands right in front of him and asks him, May I cure you? Will you let me cure you? He can't imagine that Jesus could operate outside the possibilities known to him. Jesus simply tells him, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus shows us that something beyond our wildest imagination can break open our world and change us completely. Those of us who, who suffer with depression, if we have minds filled frequently with chaos or weary with the struggle to keep us on an even keel, we could let the man by the sheep pull be the same. We could have a worldview that is sometimes too small. The attempt to just survive can contract our personal universe to a safe size. Our thinking patterns can become caught in these over-controlled ruts. We lose flexibility in favor of the fight-flight-freeze mechanism that leads to hypervigilance and shutdown. I remember one day like this. The day had been a long one. I remember being overly anxious. Darkness and negativity seemed to cling to everything I touched. Irritability encroached around the edges of my conversations. I was tired and knew that that night I wouldn't be able to sleep. Since I have epilepsy, like many other men and women in the world today, I can count on having these lifelong companions, depression, anxiety, irritability, insomnia. Psychological vulnerabilities such as these shape our thought patterns and our expectations. And in turn, these negative thoughts create this dark world that we sometimes believe exists around us. Our world really is created mostly by what is inside our heads. What we see is determined by what we believe. When circumstances in our life are dim, it is easy to let our thinking degenerate into fragmentation. The result is criticism, moralizing, attacks on other people or ideas, opinions or events, negativity, anxiety, and agitation. The belief that fear and not love is the compelling force of the universe. It really takes mental muscle to be responsible for our thinking, to think thoughts of wholeness, care, 
and healing. For example, it is easy for me to see problems, to hear voices that are complaining about things that I do, to notice who is not happy with me. Because this is the way I think about myself, this is what I notice in the world around me. When I begin to change the way I think, to indulge in thoughts of appreciation and beauty, goodness, and peace, I suddenly begin to notice that others appreciate me and that the strident complainers are really very few. I discover that I didn't have all the information, and usually I'm missing the most important information to assess a person or a situation accurately. When I find out the truth, I feel bad that I have judged myself or another harshly with unforgiveness in my heart. Fragmented, belittling, or negative thinking dehumanizes us and lowers the worth of others in our eyes. It creates division, whereas in reality, as sons and daughters of God, we are already one. All of us have been in meetings where the group has trashed someone's project or reputation, a leader's track record or decision, or the group's purpose or history. When I am a part of such a situation, even simply as an unwilling listener who is sharing airspace with these negative hearts, I begin to close down. The razor-sharp accusations seem to make so much sense as they are presented, but I begin to feel as though I can't breathe. Any hopeful future seems choked off as the group becomes more and more demoralized. The spirit is really not part of that conversation. These destructive, distorted statements both reveal people's inner world and create their outer environment. They close off new possibilities. We can always choose to see the world differently. In dark times, it is imperative that we pay attention to how we look at the world and others and ourselves, to choose peace of mind. And when we choose peace of mind, our perceptions change. When judgment ceases, healing occurs. When we tear up the scripts we have written for how we believe we or others should be or speak or act, we become loving and more open. We can choose to see our present upset in another way. Healthy change begins to happen as we soften and mellow under the warmth of God's grace. It will mean giving up the all-American sense of entitlement to what I deserve or have a right to in order to live in a detached appreciation for the truth goodness and beauty that I discover around me. Healing can happen only if there is a certain simplicity about how I go about living and relating and working. If Jesus were to come upon us today and ask, do you want to be healed? We might also recount our life stories and point out to him what hasn't worked. A couple of years ago, my spiritual director would ask me a question and I would begin to recount for him a psychological analysis of why I do this or feel that or can't get beyond something else. And after a while he said, I have a feeling Jesus wants to heal you. 
and he's not going to need to know your therapeutic analysis. So let's stop all that and start looking at what Jesus is doing. It took me a while to switch gears from self-analysis to contemplative witness and immersion. I needed to learn to see Jesus standing right in front of me, saying, lovingly and gently, get up, be healed. Holding on to hope requires that we flood our mind and spirit with this transcendent light, that we see things as they truly are, bathed in God's gentle love and care. It means thinking differently, looking for unity, not fragmentation, appreciation and not complaints, simplicity and not entitlement, hope and not despair. What we think, how we think, creates the world around us. Stand beside the sick man at the pool of Bethesda. In your imagination, picture yourself as a sick person in the midst of this crowd of people longing for a cure. Take a moment and look around. Who else is there? What do you hear? What is your story? Why are you there? What cure are you hoping for? Listen to the conversation between the sick man and Jesus. As the sick man stands, picks up his mat and leaves, reach up to get Jesus' attention. As he looks at you, he asks you, what is it that you desire? Speak to Jesus and wait for him to respond. Sometimes we can feel as though we were lost in a deep forest where no clear paths are visible. A blend of spiritual guidance, mentorship, and counseling, the Heartwork community is a place where you learn to explore, love, open, and nourish the paradise of your heart, your deep heart, where God is already dwelling within you. You will discover that though you waited for light to appear from outside, the paths of light are imprinted in your heart where the Trinity abides, and we learn to walk them through the valleys and mountaintops of lived experience. Heartwork is a process of accompaniment that honors your story, creates a space in which you can safely explore what is happening with you, gain the tools to come home to your heart where the Trinity is already at work, be recreated by love, and set out again. To learn more about Heartwork and what God has led me to do in the world, or just to stay in touch, visit touchingthesunrise.com. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, 
Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app breadbox.